from WRKF in Baton Rouge and WWNO in New Orleans, you're listening to Louisiana Considered. On today's show, New Bayou Books is a publishing company looking for original works set in South Louisiana. We talked to founder and author Jason Reed about his mission to celebrate Louisiana culture through literature. And speaking of Louisiana culture, the new two-part documentary series, Why Louisiana Ain't Mississippi or Any Place Else, is set to premiere this weekend. We speak with Louisiana Broadcasting's Linda Midget and show producer and writer Jay Darden about this ambitious project. But first, as homicides spiked across the nation during the COVID-19 pandemic, Baton Rouge saw back-to-back record-breaking years with 114 lives lost to violence in 2020, 149 killings last year. The newspaper, The Advocate, has been tracking intentional and unjustified killings using FBI crime reporting rules and reports there appears to be a break in this deadly trend. Criminal justice reporter for The Advocate, James Finn, has been covering the story. He joins me now. James, thanks for coming on. Karen, thanks so much for having me. James, let's start with what's been happening since the pandemic. There's a a pretty steep increase in the number of homicides in 2020. What can you tell us about the violence and and what's driving it? Yes, that's right. So after uh, we saw 81 killings in 2019, according to the newspaper's data, there were 114 the following year, uh, and then even more, 149 in 2021, just a really dramatic increase. And this was a phenomenon that we saw in cities across the country um, as social services struggled during the pandemic and people, you know, grappled with economic turmoil during the pandemic as well. And also as communities relationships with police grew more hostile following George Floyd's death. Um, Other cities saw an uptick in 2021 too, but the Baton Rouge spike was more dramatic than most. Now, the advocate records are currently showing homicides in Baton Rouge have decreased so far here in 2022 compared to last year. Looking good because we're at the end of the year. What are the numbers and and do you have any insight as to why the numbers are improving? So there have been 95 killings in East Baton Rouge City Parish in 2022 as of December 2nd, according to our records, including a killing on December 1st near the ExxonMobil plant of a 28-year-old woman. Um, This compares to 106 um, homicides by the same point in 2020 and 136 last year. Um, And there are certainly social factors leading to the decrease, you know, like the improving coronavirus death rate, um, the improving pandemic situation overall. But city officials and law enforcement have touted tons of resources that they have poured into this problem over the past few years. Um, and would credit some of those programs as well. James, let's talk about the response by federal, state, and and local officials. What steps are being taken to curb the deadly trend? City Parish leaders gave a press conference on November 30th on the progress of what's uh, been termed the East Baton Rouge Public Safety Partnership, which is one of a few such initiatives. Um, And this one combines federal, state, and local resources and has been underway since February. And officials described how this effort has sought to stop the violence in four different ways, not just through policing, but also by performing outreach to young people involved in violence to expose them to other opportunities um, in the court system, aggressively pursuing gun crimes and high risk offenders, which has been uh, kind of a, 
a talking point of District Attorney Hiller Moore's recently, and also fixing blight and infrastructure in communities struggling with gun violence. And then lastly, using more technology, which the federal government has provided in some cases uh, in police work to solve these crimes. It would be great to see New Orleans join this this trend of decreasing homicides and for the trend to hold here in Baton Rouge. We're holding our breath. We'll keep an eye out for your next update uh, as you report on this. Criminal justice reporter for The Advocate, James Finn. James, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Most of us know that Louisiana has unique cuisine, culture, and traditions. Now the state's quirkiness is being celebrated in a new two-part documentary series from Louisiana Public Broadcasting dubbed Why Louisiana Ain't Mississippi or Any Place Else. Former Louisiana Lieutenant Governor and current Commissioner of Administration Jay Darden is the creator, writer, and host of this series. He joins us now. Jay, thanks for being here. Thanks, Karen. We're also joined by Linda Midget, executive producer at Louisiana Public Broadcasting. Linda, thank you two for joining us. Happy to be here. Linda, we're going to start with you. What was the inspiration for this project and, and how did it get off the ground? What kinds of stories were you two seeking to tell and, and, and how did you want to tell them? Yeah, well, I will let Jay explain sort of the background of this presentation that he has given for um, almost two decades across the state, um, and he'll do a better job of explaining that. It is, it is a presentation by the same title, Why Louisiana Ain't Mississippi. And basically, um, he invited me to come watch the presentation um, last year and just to see what I thought. And I thought it was fantastic. Um, it's just a wonderful, fun, funny overview of Louisiana history and what makes Louisiana so special. And um, I'm, I'm actually from North Carolina originally, so I'm a Carolina girl. And for me, it was like, oh, this explains a whole lot about this state. <laughs> and, um, and my husband's from Louisiana, and I realized it explained a whole lot about him, too. So um, I just was really excited um, when, I, when I heard what Jay was doing. And so we sat down and sort of hashed out, you know, the grand plan of how to do this. This is something that was birthed out of, of something you'd already been telling everybody about how Louisiana is like no other place. You mentioned, you've mentioned that it's, it's a, a human gumbo. Uh, what exactly is, is explored or revealed in this documentary and, and how is it emblematic of, of the classic Cajun dish, the gumbo? Well, it, it really, Louisiana is this mix of ethnicities uh, that you don't find anywhere else in America because our roots are European and African. They're Catholic and you don't find that in a lot of other states. And so the typical population in, in other states, particularly in the South, is pretty homogenous. You know, you have, you have white Anglo-Saxon Protestants and you have African-Americans in various proportions and a little bit of everything else. But in Louisiana, we have we don't have an ethnic majority. We have uh, African-Americans, the second largest population in the nation. We have white Anglo-Saxon Protestants who were really the last, in, in a way, the last ethnic group to come here because they were preceded by French and Spanish and Creoles and Africans who did not come voluntarily, but who became immersed in this Louisiana society that, that grew up in the 1700s and, and 1800s. And a lot of the characteristics back then are still evident today in our, our uh, geography and our living patterns and our culture. And uh, this really is a, a different slant on how to look at Louisiana history, Louisiana culture, 
And equally importantly, the disproportionate positive impact that Louisiana has had on America from a sports standpoint, an artistic standpoint, a musical standpoint, uh, it's what makes Louisiana different. And, and New Orleans is a big fundamental part of that story because that's where everything began in many respects because people entered the new world through the port of New Orleans. They, they didn't come to Ellis Island. Ellis Island went until the late 1800s, but back in the 1700s, people were coming to the new world from Europe and from Africa involuntarily through the port of New Orleans. And that's a big part of, of this story. There are so many big names featured. There are archaeologists, politicians, musicians. Um, Linda, would you name some, some of the names that are, that are in this film, who they are and, and what they bring to the table? Boy, we've got everyone from James Burton, the musician, to uh, Jimmy Swaggart did an interview with us. He has not been interviewed. Um, he has not interviewed with the press in quite a long time. So that was um, really great to sit down with him. We have various historians. Um, Richard Campanella, we did a lot with him in New Orleans. He just has a, a wonderful, comprehensive view of of how the geography of Louisiana has shaped, you know, so much of the history. Um, boy, Jay, who am I leaving out? Like there's so James many- James Carville, yeah. uh, Irma Thomas, Dudley LeBlanc's son, the Hattacall man's son, uh, Richard Lipsy has a very- Oh yeah. Very interesting story about his connection to the, the JFK assassination. Um, and, and that's, I mean, there are more than that, but uh, uh, Terrence Simeon, uh, the Zydeco performer, mm -hmm. Um, it's a real hodgepodge. It's it's a mix of the entire state, which is what Louisiana is all about. But when we first kind of got cracking on this, the word that we hit upon and that we were trying to impress upon, this is another story on the photographer, Carol Highsmith, who's doing, who's done a, a book, a coffee table book that accompanies the presentation. And we told her we wanted her to capture the exuberance of Louisiana. And that's really kind of the I would say the, the by word about the book and about the show. Kind of like, um, oh, well, uh, uh, gumbo. John Pulse. I mean, he's got a he has a thread throughout the show. As we talk about the human gumbo, we're actually making a gumbo. Oh, so, spoiler alert. There. That's wonderful. We, we are speaking yeah. with uh, Linda Midget, executive producer at Louisiana Public Broadcasting, Jay Darden, the host and writer of why Louisiana ain't Mississippi or any place else. You, you mentioned uh, Richard Lipsy and, and that JFK connection. I thought that was interesting that, that you even spoke with, with, with uh, Lipsy. For those that don't know the story, what's the story there? We, it really arose out of talking about the Cuban influence in Louisiana. Lee Harvey Oswald was born in New Orleans, and he was in New Orleans passing out pro-Castro leaflets days before the assassination. Richard Lipsy was uh, the aide to the general in Washington, D.C., in charge of the entire Washington military district. Uh, Richard was actually present during the autopsy of President Kennedy. He actually removed the body from the hearse. He was also present throughout the whole funeral proceeding as the aide to this general who was in charge of the entire operation. So it's, a, it's a, an unbelievable story that, that he tells about his connection to this in, in this historic American event. This is a documentary like none other. I mean, Linda, I mean, could you talk a little bit about that? Because this is not a standard, just straight. There's so many components, um, so many different uh, uh, tangents here that, that all connect. So talk a little bit about that. 
I think the show was a gumbo, you know, because it is a it's a mishmash of a variety of of television styles um, that you might use in any various series. And and because it's four hours, we really wanted to keep people entertained and on their toes. So they kind of don't know what to anticipate coming yet. So coming next. So we have, um, you know, very traditional archival footage and photos that you might expect in a documentary. We have more sort of almost a reality style um, sections where Jay is walking with like Richard Campanella, they're walking through the French Quarter and they're talking about it. We have an enormous amount of graphics. Um, we partnered with Bill Joyce, who is an Academy Award winning animator from, from Shreveport. Um, Bill and his team have done some very hilarious animations for the film that I think people will be tickled by. Um, and then last but not least, we have comedic skits that are um, historical recreations. <laughs> And um, we we actually cast and hired all local Louisiana talent and um, Jay's son, John Darden, who is actually a comedian in Los Angeles, wrote the skits for us. They make people laugh out loud because they're just very unexpected. And they're, you know, characters like Iberville and LaSalle and these characters, the wigs are just outrageous. Like the wigs alone will make uh -huh. you laugh. Or they even do anything. Oh, know? my goodness. Well, before uh, we go, let's talk about the name of the film. Let's talk about the name of the documentary. Uh, ain't Why Louisiana Ain't Mississippi or any place else from either of you. How did you come to that to that name? Well, it, it's obviously not grammatically correct. And in all honesty, I don't remember how I came up with this, but I, I came up with it. And I, and I decided that would be a catchy name that, that people would be curious about and would remember and it, it is kind of uh it's kind of in the spirit of the presentation and in the spirit of the documentary it's it's there's serious subjects about louisiana that have to be talked about and that need are addressed but there's so much fun and joie de vie in 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 the state in fact i i think it's the, the state i describe as a combination a curious combination of joie de vie and religious zeal multiple denominations that are able to coexist together and, and the, the title is obviously catchy, but I always tell people there's no insult to Mississippi. There's no comparison <laughs> to Mississippi. There are no put downs. I could have called it. It's purely a whimsical, whimsical uh, way of, of trying to let people know you're going to learn a lot about Louisiana or you're going to relearn a lot about Louisiana in a way you haven't thought about it before. And we've been talking with Linda Midget, executive producer of Louisiana Public Broadcasting, and Jay Darden, host and writer of the two-part documentary. Jay and Linda, thank you both for uh, joining us here on Louisiana Considered. Thanks, Karen. The two-part four-hour documentary will premiere on December 11th and 12th at 7 p.m. From WRKF in Baton Rouge and WWNO in New Orleans, you're listening to Louisiana Considered. I'm Karen Henderson. New Bayou Books is a publishing company that seeks to promote literature about South Louisiana culture and heritage. The company was started by Jason P. Reed, a native of Eunice, who, when he moved to Belgium, 
discovered an international curiosity about his home state. Now he's seeking to start a modern renaissance among South Louisiana writers. He joins us now for more. Jason, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Now, I know you're, you yourself, you're a published author. So let's start by getting some info about your own books, Tattoos and Tans and All Saints Day of the Dead. Tell us about your books. Uh, sure. Um, Tattoos and Tans is the first book I wrote. And I didn't necessarily plan to start a publishing company uh, after I finished it. But what happened was I started looking around for for other uh, examples of contemporary South Louisiana literature, you know, modern, edgy um, fiction set in the region, and I really couldn't find any. And so I noticed that there's a real vacuum of this kind of literature in the marketplace. It isn't. It isn't there, and so it sort of became my calling. So um, I went from just looking for a publisher for Tattoos and Tans, which is set in my hometown of Eunice. And it's basically about a tattoo artist who moves back to his hometown of Eunice after many years away to open the town's first tattoo shop. And um, uh, all of the uh, conflict that uh, comes about as a result, that's what the book's about. The, the second book that I put out, All Saints of Day of the Dead, you know, it features a Vietnamese uh, Catholic deacon um, at a little church in Mowater, it, um, a, 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 a modern swamp pop Cajun band, a girl with a fleeing an abusive relationship from West Virginia, you know, some psychedelic drugs, even there's the, you know, it's a, it's a unique picture. The premise is there are other writers um, out there. They're, they're, they're amazing, unknown South Louisiana writers hiding in the shadows. The second part of the premise is that I believe the world is waiting for South Louisiana literature, that there's a marketplace waiting to be created. You're saying let's tell some more stories from our region. There's more than what we hear out there, what we see out there. We're living it. And in Louisiana itself, it almost seems like the setting of South Louisiana is its own character, both in, in your writing and other publications. So describe that character for us. How is Louisiana or, or the Louisiana you write about personified? You're absolutely right. It's um, What a wonderful uh, central character to any story. Than, than South Louisiana. It's such a rich and complicated and nuanced place. For me personally, I have realized how much I love South Louisiana and how intrigued I am um, by the culture, in part because I haven't lived there in a while. And it's especially easy to appreciate from afar when you've got to make your own roux you know, when you uh, when you can't go to a different festival every weekend. We are speaking with Jason P. Reed, author and founder of New Bayou Books Publishing Company. We're talking with him about the mission to spark a literary renaissance of sorts among South Louisiana. Now, Jason, you started this company as a way to promote more stories about the region. So far, what's that been like? Have you discovered any new authors or stories? It's been my pleasure to uh, to to hear from 
lots of writers in various stages of development over the past uh, few weeks as I've been on the ground um, in Louisiana and visiting festivals and, um, and doing uh, readings and various forms of outreach. The floodgates have been opened and I'm starting to hear, you know, every day I get, I get a, an, another email from another aspiring author who wants to know more. Well, I know you've stated that you'd hope to write five books before turning 50. How are you going with that goal? How's it going? And I hear you have another book that's coming out in 2023. Tell us a little bit about that and, and how your writing process has maybe evolved over the years. Yeah, so five five by fifty, and I'm uh, I'm 48 now, so I've got two years to go, and so I I am on track. I I will put out the third book under the New Bayou Books imprint next year, and it's uh, about a baseball player from LSU Eunice. Um, so it's another book that's set in um, in in Eunice. And but there's a little bit of Lake Charles. The main character is from Lake Charles. He moves to Eunice, and and he interacts with some characters um, who were established in the in the first book. So my my books are not um, they're not serials, but much like all our families in South Louisiana, they're all sort of inter intermingled. Um, so I'm very excited about uh, the story that it features a lot of uh, baseball, and. Um, that was partly inspired by the simple fact that the uh, LSUE baseball field and the and the program it's a real gem of South Louisiana and I absolutely love uh, taking in games there and so I was inspired to write a story that features a baseball player it doesn't have a title yet but um, but it'll be out uh, next year and it will be out with an audio component as well. Well, for any South Louisiana writers listening and thinking about writing a book or poetry, what's your advice for them? What are you looking for in submissions to New Bayou Books? The first thing I'm looking for is unique voice. I want to read stories that are, are told from a particular point of view in it with a particular voice. Um, you know, I, I play a little bit of guitar. I'm not a great guitar player by, by any stretch, um, but no one plays guitar the same. You know, everyone, you can play the same song, the same notes, but everyone's got their own signature, their own voice on the instrument. And it needs to be the same way when your fingers are on the keyboard. And, and, and secondly, in terms of advice, it, you know, do, you have to do it every day. Uh, writing is a discipline, um, much like everything else in life that's really worth pursuing. It requires it requires dedication and discipline. It's not something uh, you do when the mood strikes you. It's something you do every day, and as a result of doing it every day, the muse will will visit. But the, but the muse only rewards uh, those of us who are, have the discipline to to do the work. Uh, Jason P. Reed, author and founder of New Bayou Books Publishing Company. Jason, thanks for your time today. Thank you so much for having me, Karen. From WRKF in Baton Rouge and WWNO in New Orleans, you've been listening to Louisiana Considered. I'm Karen Henderson. Thanks to our guests, criminal justice reporter for the Baton Rouge Advocate, James Finn, Louisiana Public Broadcasting Executive Producer, Linda Midget, 
Louisiana Commissioner of Administration Jay Darden, and author and founder of New Bayou Books Publishing Company, Jason Reed. Our managing producer is Alana Schreiber, our digital editor, Caitlin Omholtz. Our engineers are Garrett Pittman, Aubrey Procell, and Thomas Walsh. You can listen to Louisiana Considered Monday through Friday at noon and 7.30 p.m. It's available on Spotify, Google Play, and wherever you get your podcasts. Major support for Louisiana Considered provided by Rouse's Markets, a Louisiana shopping experience, with additional support from the Historic New Orleans Collection.